0: Hello and welcome to the Press Play and Run podcast, the podcast for runners that don't really know their runners, put a stick on their trainers, press play and run just in case. Press Play and Run will give me, Ryan, or Scottish Runner to some of you on Instagram, the chance to shine a light on everyday runners from clubs and couches across the United Kingdom and beyond. Each week we'll delve into everything from park runs to playlists, trainers to tantrums and mini runs to marathons. We will look to shine a light on the stories of some incredible everyday runners from the running community and hold them hostage until they pick a track to add to the Press Play and Run playlist, which you can search for and add in Spotify. So whether you're dragging yourself off the couch or taking your first tentative of steps in running, or you're one of those weird people in vests at the front of the pack, we look forward to joining you every other week on your long runs to keep you company and entertained. In each episode, through the conversations with the guests, I'll share a little more about my own running journey, which started in 2017 and has predominantly focused on short distances and running alone, through to my preparation for my first marathon in Edinburgh this year. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode and I hope you enjoy our fantastic first guest. Today we're joined for the first episode by our first guest, Alison Jardin. As well as being a friend of mine, Alison is originally from Inverurie but now lives and runs in the main streets of South Lanarkshire. A well-known face in the local running scene, Alison is one of those uh, Holy Grail chasers chasing her six-star marathon medal this year in Tokyo and has a wealth of running experience behind her. But her story didn't start there and today she's going to share with us her journey from novice runner to veteran of, I believe, 13 marathons. So welcome, Alison. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Tired Legs is the uh, take on the training for Tokyo.
0: Yeah. How many weeks out are we now from Tokyo?
1: Uh, Seven.
0: Okay, seven weeks to go. So I'm I'm running my first marathon, as you know, this year in Edinburgh. So I've not really started my training. So I'm feeling like this is not as hard as people say. Now you're (laughs) telling me you've got tired legs seven weeks out, so it doesn't fill me with much confidence. I I think that's probably the, the key message. Just wait for what's in store. There's a story behind everything, and our, our original meeting was not one that ran smoothly. So do you want to just fill yeah. people in on how we met?
1: I don't think any of that day ran smoothly, did it? And it was probably a sign of what was to come. So we first met um, before the 2020 down by the river, wasn't it? The the Campus Lang 10K. Um, so we met through a, a mutual friend, Kirsten. And all I remember is the three of us chatting away, running along, warming up. And what, maybe about a mile and a half in, we were like, so where's the start? Oh, and we realised that we'd just been following each other, (laughs) blissfully unaware that nobody actually knew where the start was. And then I think it just got progressively worse, didn't it? So we did start. They had to change the course because it was flooded. And then after running around an industrial estate four times and then down by the river, it ended up being in the river. Yeah. and then I think what we were saying it was about a week after that, wasn't it, that um, lockdown happened? And then that was our first and last race of 2020.
0: That was it. So effectively you and I heralded the beginning of Covid, it was our fault. Yeah. Um, but you reminded me of that the other day, and when we were speaking about how we met, because I couldn't remember, I thought it might have been a park run. Um, but I, I was telling you that I ran the Newton uh, road race this year. And part of it went through the flooded section of that race. And it's the first time I've run there since. I didn't realize that's where I was, but it was ultimate flashback (laughs) moment of being up to my knees and who knows what from the River Clyde. Uh, It was certainly an experience. And I was in taper. I had forgotten that as well. I was in taper for what was meant to be my first marathon at the time. Um, but
1: yeah because it was wasn't it because that was us obviously doing like the, the final races before the spring marathons that yeah. were never to be um yeah. but yeah no that's one of the races i don't think i'll ever forget it does make me laugh anytime i'm running near there
0: yeah so that's that's what i tell people i'm a failed marathon runner i've had one go at it and then covid cancelled manchester and i took the huff and refused to do the the relaunched the date or the virtual no i just went back back in a huff and back to 5k and have been sort of stuck there ever since In between long-running sabbaticals so now we're going to remedy that this year in, in edinburgh hopefully definitely but you're traveling a bit further afield so i am six star finisher medal that's a that's certainly a distinguished crowd i was having a, a look into the numbers of that uh last night so tokyo is your final one um uh, forget- it is for anyone and, that doesn't know, Alison, can you tell us what the six, what the majors are, what the six-star finisher medal is? Because it's not something I was actually overly aware of, having only really focused on short distances before.
1: Yeah, so I wasn't actually aware of it when I did my first marathon either, but the, the six stars are New York, Berlin, Boston, Tokyo, London, and Chicago. Um, And when I started off, I had no intention of doing all six again like you I didn't actually realize it was a thing um, and then obviously you, you kind of get consumed by the Madisons and decide you want to go for the six star so when you do your final one which will be mine in Tokyo you get an additional medal which is a bigger medal with all the six smaller ones um, in that Um, and it's it's obviously something that it's quite hard to get, expensive to get, um, and does take a lot of time to get. So I'm excited, but like we we're just saying, Tokyo should have actually happened in 2021, but because of COVID, it didn't. So it kind of changed things for me in the order that I have fin- I finished this in. But I do think picking it up along with what they're saying is a thousand other people, um, it should be pretty special.
0: Yeah, I think it's just under a thousand this year, and uh, looking at the numbers, so in the, the high 900s. Do you know how many six-star finishers there currently are in record? I know you're the type of person that will know this.
1: <laughs> no, I think the last time I looked at the numbers, I think it was, no, I think I was maybe looking at the females only. I think there's under 900 females. And is it two and a half? No, sorry. No, sorry. Is it 8,300?
0: Yeah, 8,143 as of the last report from the organization. So considering the number of people who run and even the number of people who run marathons, which is a very small subset, that's that's pretty elite in terms of the the number. I didn't realize it wasn't a a thing until 2016 in terms of the medal, but Mm -hmm. from 2016, the records are only 8,143 people.
1: Yeah, no, it is exciting, and I think like as runners, and especially like you say, when you start bec- like understanding the six stars, you don't actually realise what a big thing it is. If you speak to a non-runner, they'll say, "Oh, yeah, that sounds nice," but you know, obviously, when you're a part of it and you look at the numbers and all the stats and who's taking part from which countries, it does you realise like what a small proportion of people actually do do it.
0: Yeah, I I, I saw when I was searching, I saw uh six star finisher medal on eBay for 273 pounds. I think that might have been cheaper for you than running those six races.
1: You know, I, yeah,
0: we don't talk about how much it costs. No. Memory, no.
1: you can't buy memory.
0: <laughs> but if you could, no, we won't go there. I, I I know I'm aware that your partner might listen to this and I'm, I'm absolutely not going to be responsible for asking you to put a price on running six international marathons
1: we don't we made a deal or i did and made him agree that we will never add up the fuel cost of this because like joking apart i mean it, even just saying the places that the six stars are you, you know it's not going to be cheap there's flights yeah. there's hotels there's everything um and i don't even want to think how much it's all cost but it it's brought other things as well like the there are memories there's you know places we'd never have been like chicago is a place i'd never ever chosen to go on a holiday I don't think but it was such an amazing place that we'll probably go back so I like to look at it from that way you know oh,
0: you've got every <laughs> excuse lined up and I've, I've had the pleasure this. I've had the pleasure of meeting Alison's husband before and I know he plays golf so he's hiding his golf and expense secrets because I do that as well not only do I run I play golf so I'm I'm using all the hidden expense excuses so I know her we
1: yeah you become a pro after so long don't you
0: <laughs> well you you become well versed in saying nothing just nodding and smiling yeah um so between that and the trainers i won't ask you many pairs of trainers you've gone through for 13 marathons i'm sure that's equally up there in the, the international travel at the we price. don't talk about that <laughs> so today's interview is practically the things we can talk about so that might be as done
1: yeah no comment
0: yeah so can you tell us then allison i'm interested before we even get to the first marathon where the running started for you in terms of that more more serious running or regular running?
1: Yeah, so I mean, really for me when I was so when I lived back home in Inverurie, I did a few 10Ks. Um, joined uh I guess it's almost what the couch to five K is now. We did like a 10 week to 10K. It was our local um Erie 10K race. So I did it with my best friend and enjoyed it. Um but didn't really take it any further than that. Um, And then it wasn't until 2013 when I decided to run my first marathon that really, well, it didn't actually become serious then. I ran a marathon unprepared and it really became serious for me in 2016 when I decided to try again um, I joined a club that time and as we've said I, that's a huge thing for me <clears throat> running with others whether it's in a club a group or just with friends that's probably when it changed like I realized that it was a good social activity and um, you could obviously enter races and do them quite well if you trained um, you did different types of running like it didn't just have to be a run um, and that's really for me I think when I thought okay I, I'm pretty good at this really good at socially it's something good to do after work to kind of you know totally zone out um and then you just well as you know and most runners know you kind of just become consumed don't you like it starts off as a social fun thing to do and then all of a sudden you're signing up to marathons half marathons and getting up to go to a park run every Saturday morning
0: well you're you're speaking to a guy who religiously sticks to five and 10k so that that bit's not really happened to me with the marathons I've done a few mm-hmm. halves but I think the club part is a is a huge thing and something I expect to come up in episode after episode of people that have really been bitten by the running bug it mm-hmm. tends to feature somewhere in their journey because I have done the vast majority of training on my own um, although I was with athletes triathlon club um before so i had a two year three year period where i was involved in triathlon just pre-covid um which sandwiched the running for me but that club um knowledge and the social part of it you couldn't speak highly enough of that in in terms of keeping you motivated keeping you accountable but also the knowledge and the friendship that you get from people that bit goes underrated i think
1: yeah, I mean one thing like looking back now, I mean like you say do not on your own it's hard and you know especially at this time of year I think most of us are struggling if especially if you live in Scotland. <laughs> um but that was one thing that I find at the club or even now in the groups that I run with. You run with people that have years and years of experience, like the stories about the races, about you know different ways of training, like where they've been, what they've learned, what what not to do again. Like you say that's like invaluable and that is the difference between running on your own and running with others. And I think yeah. that's really what brings people on. It's And you have to obviously want to to listen and learn, um, but I think you can learn so much from other people.
0: And I think it's only right that we give maybe the club a shout out. Who who was the club you joined then and who do you run with now? Yeah,
1: so when I moved, uh, when obviously I decided to, to run my second marathon and take it seriously, so I joined uh, Motherwell Athletics Club um and still close to i've made some great friends from there and still run with some of them now um but now um so i run with a group um who the coaches uh rob tutor uh we call ourselves the nick runners because we meet at the nicholson running club um but again a brilliant bunch of people that honestly that's where my running changed like running with um rob in the group you know like i've we've you know, helped each other. One like one of the guys, Jerrys, paced me around a marathon. Um, got me a PB. Again, you just learn so much from these people. Like they're guys who've ran in in and around Glasgow for years. They've got just so much experience. And again, like we said a million times, that's like what changes your running. It yeah. makes it more enjoyable, and it just takes you to the next level.
0: It exposes you to new routes as well it, well at, that too and sessions that you would never do on your own the, you mm-hmm. know these interval sessions that the ones where you really push your limits and probably feel best they're very difficult to do on your own it's very difficult to motivate yourself to do that one extra rep or those two extra reps
1: it is like last night i couldn't go to the to the, the group so i had to do it myself and when you're standing in the wind and the rain and you just think why am i doing this whereas if you're with the other the runners you're like okay well you know I'll catch them or oh I'm being chased and yeah. again even just not so much even that sometimes but just knowing you're standing in the podium rain freezing with four other people or whatever it is it just you're in it together yeah. and I think that's a big thing about running isn't it like yeah. no matter whether it's a session a run with a friend a park run a marathon you're never alone you're all like and running's that's what I love about running it's such a you could stand and speak to somebody for an hour you've never met before about running because we all love it
0: yeah and and, uh, but i think there are barriers to joining a club and a lot of them come internally for people i know i was if you don't think you're a runner i still don't know if i actually class myself as a runner with the distances i do and i think youth well i certainly thought no the people that go to these clubs are like you Mm. (laughs) and really fast, front of the pack, wearing vests and, and then I've turned up to the club to Newton Road Runners. It's the the mixture of people, you know, 30 people at a session and you've got every pace represented, you know, you've got every shape and size, you've got every gender, you've got, you've just got people that are united by running who've taken the leap. It's, it's mm-hmm. really not what, it's really not what I thought it was, which was like elite runners. Now there are some people that are way up the front and very, very quick. Yeah. But for every one of them, there's five or six who are exactly where you started on your running journey. So we'll probably get more into that, I think, again with people as we move down the line with episodes.
1: It is funny, actually, when you say that, because I always remember. So when I uh, decided to to try and take running seriously or more seriously um, and joined Motherwell, I'll never, ever forget the first session that I went to. So I turned up like like you I was so nervous because I was like I think I'm walking into a room here of like elite runners I'm going to be last but anyway the, the the start of the session they were like right we're just going to do a gentle run and like obviously people won't know what I'm speaking about but you will that the the hill where you run from out of kind of Strathclyde up to the Bentley garage so it's quite a steep hill especially if you're not a, a, a decent runner well, I barely got to the top and I was like, this is not for me. I don't think I can come back. <laughs> um, So it's funny because I always, whenever I go up that hill, I think, God, remember back to however many years ago that was and all uh, pretty close to not going back because yeah. you do, you have those doubts and you have it for a long time. I still turn up to races now and think oh, I shouldn't be here. So I think it's something that is always kind of going to be hanging there. But eventually you just, have to learn not to think about it and not yeah. care because, you know, you're with people you know and friends yeah.
0: and, you know. and... And knowing the reality, the reality is if you could only have gone halfway up that hill that would have been perfectly fine yeah, on that first session and nobody uh-huh. would have thought any different of it and you build up over time but it, as it it's but we internalise a lot I think in that imposter syndrome yeah, a lot of people have that in many aspects of their life but in running particular it can feel like everybody knows what they're doing and I am, I, I, I'm just a guy who it puts my headphones in and I bumble run, along. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I think it's good to know that your your journey began like that as well, with people um, helping you along the way because there are so many of them. And you even get that at Parkrun. You meet mm-hmm. so many people who are so good at what they do, but they give their time and they give their advice freely. And it's it really is. It's a nice atmosphere. Yeah. Can I take you back then, rewind to Marathon One because you mentioned that you've run that unprepared mm-hmm. um what and uh, what do you mean by you ran it unprepared and can you tell us a bit about it maybe sort of what time you finished in and what aspects of it you were unprepared for
1: yeah so i like i said i had run a few 10ks um so most people i i imagine probably start off five ten half then go to marathon i just sat at my desk one day and decided that i'd always want to go to New York. I want to raise some money for my friend that sadly passed away so i would apply to run the new york marathon i mean because it, it really couldn't be that hard so <laughs> i got a place through the charity macmillan Um, started off pretty well you know going out running um but didn't really have a plan then met sandy my now husband um and obviously when you you meet someone you want to go out eat drink not really train for a marathon so you know I went out, did some 10ks did a half marathon a few more runs thought well you know it's only four 10ks isn't it got to New York feeling great on the start line at the bridge brilliant first 10k whoa, this is a breeze second 10k yep yep feeling good then bang that's when I realised that you don't disrespect the marathon. And that's probably the biggest lesson I've ever learned in running, and possibly one of the biggest lessons in life. Don't ever be unprepared because it, it ends badly. Um, I think it taught me a few things. It taught me that mentally I was strong because I was never going to not finish it. Um, and, and I believe that's what got me round because my legs were pretty close to giving up. Um. I'd finished it with blood pouring down my legs from the chafing. Um, I, I had to walk the last bit of it, a kind of shuffle almost because it was so sore. And I finished it and then burst into tears and said, I'm never running again. And I didn't for two and a half years yeah Yeah. so yeah that's unprepared that's the one thing if somebody comes to me now and says i think i'm going to run a marathon i will give them all the help in the world to build a plan advice anything but don't ever do what i did because it it almost meant i never done again
0: and i think a lot of us have had that experience down the distances Mm -hmm. but you can almost get away with it yeah You, you you can get yourself through a half marathon maybe a bit undercooked um
1: because Mm -hmm.
0: relatively your body will cope uh, if you're at a certain level of fitness even if you don't feel terrific at the end you'll you'll get through but that marathon distance even in my training runs I was probably undercooked coming into when I thought I was going to run Manchester it was just a real mental block on those long runs and again that running in company is changing everything for me now with longer running it's oh, this doesn't have to be the same grind I was making it and slowing down. And there's a million pieces of advice, I think, out there. And that's not what this podcast is going to be and me pontificating what to do because I'm really not in that place in my my own running. But I I couldn't agree more with that. If you're going to do it, if you're going to take the plunge, put the work in. Uh Um, And that's not for anything. That's not about times. That's about not putting yourself to the point where you don't ever want to run again. Mm
1: And it is, and exactly. I even when I did my second one, um, you know, I I never like to give up on things, and it and like I say, I didn't run for two and a half years after that, and I think part of it was moving down here and realizing I needed to do something for me, but also I I'm like I don't like to be defeated, so something in me just said I need to try this again. And I remember saying to Sandy, right, I am I was watching it on the TV and I said, I'm going to do London next year. And his face was just like, you do remember what happened in New York. And like you say that, I was like, yeah, but this will be different because I've learned and you don't, you have to commit to something if you're going to do it. And do you know, it's true. Like you you choose how you want to do it. You choose the plan. It's up to you. You choose who you run with, when you run. um, As long as you commit, And take it seriously. Anyone can do it. But I think you have to realize that you've got to be mentally and physically strong. Um and like you say, on those long runs, they're the ones they can break you, but you've got to not let them. So you will go, you're never going to have a great run every time you go out, especially those long ones. I still have at least one bad long run in a training block before the marathon, but it's how mentally you overcome that. You can't go out thinking it's going to happen again. And you certainly can't go out on the day and think that. Um, but like say if you find it easy running with people then remember on the day there's thousands of people around you so it's again just playing those little mind games isn't it and yeah. how you get through things
0: and you you have the benefit now of experience of knowing that mm-hmm. this will pass and everyone won't feel like that that's that's something that if you're good through it for the first time it can be harder to get that perspective and yeah. again, again what I heart back to I think i am probably started this podcast because I've reached a point where having changed my job and maybe not been front-facing, public-facing, I can be a bit more, I have a social media profile now that's not as closed down as it had to be in my previous job, but that connection and running, I think that's probably, I'm chasing that as much as a time or a a distance at the moment because the people I connect with, I can see how that's elevating what I do and my enjoyment of the sport.
1: Yeah, and I think, like we've said a few times in the past, like, we've kind of got a little community where we are now Like you get to know people through social media, but then from being at part runs and the local 10 K's and things like that. And it does like you spur people on. And I've really noticed through having like Instagram, that's obviously, you know, initially how we got to know each other as well, that you can encourage each other. You don't have to live next door. You, you might be able to go meet up and go to a race that's maybe, you know, 50 miles away but you don't even have to do that because we've got social media and we can see you know you might all be running manchester or you know tokyo we, and for example in boston we had a little group on like a private chat before we went and even that just seeing that not everyone was finding it easy but being able to talk to each other and like talk through those times that you find tough um, the doubts will always come in i imagine even for elite runners they go through that as well so Again, it's just having that support network and having the people that understand. I mean, you can speak to your partner or a friend, but they maybe won't get it like a runner does.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, we, we need to be honest about that. Runners are the most boring people in the world if you're oh, a oh. non-runner. Run um, there's that the old adage about how do you know somebody's running a marathon? They'll tell you. Oh, that, yeah. that, you know, it's, it, it does consume so much time for people, but that network, I often find... And it's not a criticism of anybody in your own personal life. You get much more gassed up by people on Instagram and in that community because I suppose they're understanding it with you. They're doing it at the same time and it's only natural. It's actually a nice outlet for it as well because you don't want to be defined by it in every aspect of your life. There's Alison the Runner. She's going going to talk about running. You've got different spheres of your life where that's not always the case. But that is one place where... If that's the focus of your profile, I've found that being again hugely beneficial to making connections and not running alone, meeting people at park run, and actually doing a wee bit of good as well. You know, there's so many good things you can get involved in through that community. Yeah, um, it's absolutely. Really nice.
1: Um, I think that like, I mean, I love. into any race obviously because i like running but one thing that i really enjoyed more this year is park run because like you say you know we get to meet up every saturday you know you see the, the familiar faces i think like we've all got to know quite a few of us quite well um but at the same time they all often do things for charities so you're getting to give a bit back through something you enjoy already um and also like i love meeting people um like you know especially at the park runs who are like oh do you know you've ran a marathon or you know I'm thinking about it you know what would you suggest and any tips and it's good for that as well because let's be honest we go to the park runs socialize too we stand there before and after and have a chat with people and it's just a great way maybe to take it a little bit further than social media where we're actually getting to have those conversations face to face with people that love running as much as we do
0: yeah i was going to say that there it must be that must be before for you because if anybody's speaking to you after it, they have to be back in good time <laughs> that's for sure i don't know if i've ever managed to catch it at the end except yeah, with me panting <laughs> almost almost <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna wait till you're right on your marathon legs at the end and then say i'll race you around there 5k yeah. see if i can beat you <laughs> um so going back to run one then what time did you run that first marathon
1: five hours six minutes
0: okay so Going into marathon one for me, I've got in my head a time. Everybody goes in, I think, with a time. What time did you have in your head before you started or did you have? Was it always a case of getting round?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I I, like, I was clueless. It was my first one. And, and it's funny, now looking back, I didn't really understand pacing. I didn't even run it with a running watch. <laughs> like that's how unprepared. And like, I really wasn't a runner back then. Um, so no, my goal always then was just to, to run the New York marathon because, you know, it would be amazing. It wasn't even the second marathon I had a time in mind either. Again, it was to finish it strong without blood pouring down my legs and without having to walk. So I guess for some people, time is not always the, the it is for us now obviously like you know you have that in your mind always but it doesn't have to be like you can have other goals and that's yeah. just as good as a time
0: I don't know if I should pause for a minute here just to let all, all the runners listening gasp in horror at the fact you ran that without a watch I think
1: <laughs> I that <know>. the runners <laughs> I know would rather
0: run it naked than not if they're watching
1: well now I'm like how, how on earth did <laughs> like And that's what I mean. Like, I was just out there loving life for the first half,
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm like,
1: Well, that wasn't on Strava, I'll never exactly. It doesn't count,
0: and that, and we all know that as a law. If it's not in Strava, it didn't happen. So, really, we need to query whether or not you get that medal at the end, the six star finisher medal. Although you've done London since again,
1: yeah, or I could just go back and do it again, you know.
0: This is true. Well, I've got that for you at the end. Do you know how many people? (laughs) I'm going to ask if you know how many people have done the six-star journey twice.
1: Oh! There, there is
0: a very small crowd. I'll fill you in on that at the end though. <laughs> um, so two and a half years later, this is a, a good jump on. Was the second one the redemption run you'd hoped it would be? Or was that was that another struggle?
1: No, it was so much more than what I hoped it would be. Um, and again, I think that's probably quite an important thing to point out that you about not putting too much pressure on yourself, which I kind of laugh inwardly now because I put so much pressure on myself. but London for me was just making sure it was everything that New York wasn't. It was about finishing strong. it was about training properly um it was about enjoying it. It was about taking it in again, I did it for charity, and that time was slightly different as well, like Sandy came with me um and it was just amazing. I ran that whole Madison with a smile on my face. I didn't hit that wall that people talk about. It was, and I think as well, because I'd expected it to be so bad after New York it just, that feeling that I was waiting for never came. And I was like, this is amazing. And I just remember like seeing Sandy at so many bits, like I was like waving and smiling. And he afterwards, he was like, that was not what I expected to see. I expected to see like pain and agony and like slowing down. But you know, obviously you can track people running like most marathons nowadays. And he said the dot just kept like moving and moving. And I was like, wow, it's not slowing down this time and honestly I've cro- I've got photos but I crossed that line with the biggest smile on my face and I, that was when I got bitten by the bug, I was like well I, I've i got the time, I can do it again next year and that was it for me and I think that's really when everything changed
0: I, I'm interested as well for people again going into the first because I've applied for the London ballot well, I don't even know how many times now, five or six since I started running properly actually in 2017 um I apply each year and it's like the for me it's like the hunger games draw I'm always hoping my name's not pulled um (laughs) secretly hoping it's not pulled and then say I'll just settle at 5k then but you've you've entered marathons in a variety of ways now you have been in you've been in through a ballot before 10 of those majors
1: I've never been in a ballot for London um I did get into Berlin that way and Tokyo as well actually
0: and you've also um, taken charity places, and yeah. you, you've qualified for times as well.
1: Yeah. So uh, the, for New York and the first time I did London, they were both charity. Um, and then I've qualified with my time for the other Londons I've ran, and for Chicago and Boston. Um, and I did actually have the qualify time for Tokyo, but I'd already obviously gotten two years ago through the ballot for that one.
0: I think for most people. The ballot's a long shot, particularly for London, I think was it like a mm-hmm. half a million oh, it's ridiculous last year for have? seventeen thousand odd places? It's insane ratio. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be a long shot. The good for age or the qualifying time is that takes years of experience to build to that. So that's usually a moonshot as well. Yeah. That charity place, how much pressure? was that to raise the funding because i think that is again from speaking to people that's something that puts them off as oh i don't I, you get squeamish about asking it's big set amounts that people are looking for for these charities
1: it is um i think it differs um when i did it it was pretty much set for any charity the expectation was two and a half thousand pounds which is a lot of money um i think i was very fortunate when i i both my charity runs that um you know we weren't in a recession. Um I knew quite a lot of people. Um so I worked in an office as well, which is different because obviously not everyone does that now. So one of the easy ways to to make some money was bake sales. So you know you used to go around the office and, and people would help as well. I didn't have to bake myself, but that was a brilliant way to to raise a good few hundred pounds. But one of the things I say to people that say to me, how how would I raise that if I wanted to, is try and do an event. So, like, I did a race night, um, which was brilliant, made a lot of money that way, uh, I like afternoon teas, and, you know, you ask people to make donations, raffles. I do think that takes the pressure off, because if you can do something like that, it'll cover most of that money in one go. But I wouldn't say be put off by it. I know we're in difficult times just now, and, you know, it's 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 hard asking for the money um but sometimes especially like you say for london it is one of the the other ways to to get in
0: yeah definitely i think again i will clarify for you that a race night is not you putting your trainers on and racing everybody <laughs> one at a time because uh, you, you're built that way but uh no these events definitely can help it's I think people need to look into their funding options as well before mm-hmm. they t- before they bite that off because it it, it can be – I was listening to somebody speaking yesterday on a – I think it might have been on YouTube – on a vlog about raising the funds where the pressure of doing that actually started to, to detract from their training. They were feeling more pressure about raising yeah. the money than, than getting race ready. So look into – does your employer match fund and there's organizations that will match fund and there there are avenues, but it's well worth speaking to people that have been down that journey before.
1: Yeah. I mean, fortunately, you know, like I say, I did those events. So, you know, I'm on raffles as well. They're a brilliant way to, you know, everyone loves the raffle. Um, but I have heard of a lot of people whose organizations did agree to match the donations. So again, like you say, that's it's definitely worth asking. Local businesses as well um, are, are often quite willing to help. Um, but yeah, you don't ever want that pressure to take away from the well, the enjoyment of training and the actual day. And I know and like you say, I've heard that as well. A lot of people say that it becomes so stressful that they don't even know if they're going to be able to meet their target. Yeah
0: yeah and that's it's an extra layer of pressure you just don't need when you're already Mm -hmm. under pressure in the, the the back end of that training program exactly as well so veteran of 13 marathons now soon to be 14. i know can you give us a glimpse into what the experience is like particularly of or or maybe the difference between more local marathons because I'm assuming they've not all been majors of 13 of them Uh, and then maybe just a bit of a flavor of the difference between those major events as well
1: but start on the majors um you know I've been very very lucky for the majority that the weather's been on my side um the worst experience I've had out of the majors was Berlin um Again, I just feel like it was from the minute I got up that day, it was never going to end well because, you know, obviously i had to fly there. Um, my flight was diverted because of thunder and lightning. So we ended up in a different airport in Berlin, sat on the plane for three and a half hours with no water. The whole flight was full of angry marathon runners, trying to phone the expo to find if they would stay open so we could still get our numbers. Then I couldn't find the hotel. It was still raining. It was pitch black, no sleep couldn't eat my pasta because my reservation had gone and that's the point where you think right mentally I have to stay strong but I didn't I was in tears that night ready to go home but you've gone to Berlin so you're going to get up and you're going to run the marathon unfortunately the marathon day wasn't much better by halfway you know your feet were going into huge puddles on the roads you were soaked the trainers were starting to squelch like it, it was just miserable um, I didn't have anyone with me I did that one on my own and that was really hard um, when you don't have that focal point you know where people are going to be it was just a case of get it done that was my third star I knew I just had to do it Um, and that and that was quite a hard one for me because I just felt a bit of a failure because although I did it and I was happy enough with my time it didn't go the way that I thought it should have even though I put the hard work in to get there um, I had Chicago two weeks after that because like we're saying it just so happened the way I'd gotten through Good Fridge in a ballot place I decided to take the chance to do both so for Chicago my legs were really tired but then the experience was completely different you know it was a brilliant crowd Sandy was there some of my friends had flown over I had other friends running it um the American crowds are amazing so you know that was two weeks apart but completely different um London, for me, will always be a r- really special one. I don't think you can beat the crowds there. I don't know if it's because it's obviously close to where we live. But, you know, it's one of those that you start and maybe apart from maybe the first couple of miles, you've got crowds the whole way. The atmosphere is electric. Um, you know, there is just something special when you come to, to close to the end and you've got the crowds, the landmarks. You know, it's a good one. Um, but I think for me out of all the majors Boston's got to be the the special one um, and the one that I, I can't stop talking about but I think it was because it was the hardest one to get to um, and again not even just time qualifying wise it was right beside Covid times I caught Covid three weeks before you were still having to take tests to get on the plane you had all the paperwork to do it was almost like a it felt like harder than the marathon to even get to boston um and that day it was perfect the weather was perfect the crowds were there the people were there we got i got to run it with my friends um it was just electric and because boston hadn't the marathon hadn't taken place because of covid either it was the first one back and it just all just fell into place that day and that was a day i'll never forget um I just felt good that day as well it's funny like I said you can have you could put everything into a training block and on the day your legs might just feel tired you might be a bit dehydrated it could be warm but everything just clicked on that day and they're the ones that make you want to just go yeah. and do it again right again the next day um but equally there's marathons that I've done that aren't majors so the Solway Coast is one that I'd recommend to, to anybody to try um clues in the name there it's along the coast so again I think it can depend what kind of day you get weather wise as to whether it's um the best or the worst one but I got very lucky when I ran it and the half um got nice sunny days both days um and it was just like a nice coastal country route um and as I mentioned my friend Jerry paced me around that one so although it could have been quite a lonely course because we were out in the middle of nowhere um, having him by my side really helped my coach was also there running as well um, and it was just a nice atmosphere and I think I'd always had this idea in my head that if to to get the most out of a marathon and to get that kind of electric feel you had to be at a major you had to be at a big city event where there was people all the way that was pretty much the opposite of all of that but it still had a nice feel you got people appearing on bikes out of nowhere to cheer you on you got people coming to stand at the end of their drive like from the farm roads we even had to contend with a flock of sheep moving from one field to another (laughs) being chased by a dog out out of a farm road it was very surreal at times I was like "Am, am I starting to hallucinate here um but I loved it and it just it probably showed me that you don't always have to go for the big ones that you can always get something out of any type of event.
0: So that's the end of the looking for a, a key tip. That's the one. Find a dog, run away, celebrate your PB at the end. I want to close with a couple of different things here. I just want to ask a question that I often ask myself of runners, but don't get the chance to ask them that run marathons. How do you juggle the pressures of real life? With the training involved because you've already said one of those key tips is not being undercooked being prepared how do you manage that amongst a busy real life do
1: you want to ask me that again in 12 months (laughs) i don't
0: know Um, if i'm asking the right person but still you're experienced enough that this must have been an issue you've had to contend with
1: it it is it has been and it probably always will be and it is about finding a balance and I don't say that like it's easy because it's not and I I still don't know if I've quite found it but it's recognizing your body and your mind and when enough's enough so you know we've all got work we've all got kids and social life and friends and families and partners and I think the one thing that I've learned probably more over the last few years is you can't be selfish as runners. I think most of us would agree that we're selfish to a point you have to be. And I think that I'm very fortunate that especially Sandy will understand in those training blocks that you have to be selfish. If you you need to walk away from your family for three hours on a Sunday to go and do your long run, you know, there's always that bit of guilt because you could be doing something else. But you just have to be in the mindset that you're doing it for, you know, that reason for that one marathon day. Um but in terms of like when you know, you're training or just, you know, your everyday runs and your try to balance everything, it's about I think it, it really is for me now listening to your body. There'll be times on a bit of paper it says, go out today and run 10 miles. But you know, when you feel really tired and, you know, you're starting to feel niggles and you know, your legs just won't work, I think it's about being a big enough person to actually say, No, I'm not gonna do that today. Mm-hmm. Um also things that I'm starting to find are you know you've got a pile of ironing to do and it plays on your mind but you also need to go out and do that run so it's maybe adapting like I know that I prefer and I think I'm a better runner at night but sometimes it might just be that you're better to go in the morning because then those things around the house that need done or you know the work meeting that's going to come tonight you don't have to rush and try and do it all within a two hours so I'd say it's being flexible it's about having people around you that understand and will help you I mean I've always been fortunate that I've got an amazing husband who will pick up more of the housework and you know will go and walk the dog so I can run um and it it's accepting that you know it's a it's a you're I don't think anyone's ever going to get it right I mean in an ideal world I'd love to be an elite athlete who didn't have to work and could do the whole recover after and you know sleep for three hours and you know wake up ready to go again but it is I really do think in this last year or so I've learned you have to listen to yourself no one knows your body as well as you do um and I have I've pushed myself to breaking point before and that's when it becomes unenjoyable and when you get to that point that's when you have to stop and think what am I doing here because we're meant to do this because we love it and I think when you stop loving it, that's really you have to stop and think why
0: and it and is a hobby, it's meant to be something we enjoy doing
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and speaking of breaking point why do you fall over so often?
1: <laughs> oh we can not get through without <laughs> mentioning my clumsiness
0: Not a chance
1: so, <laughs> I've always <clears throat> been clumsy since I was a child falling off bikes and you know whatever but I don't know I think one of the things actually is tiredness so um, I don't know I think I kept this one quite quiet but I might as well admit it now but I did actually fall 600 metres from the end of London um, two, two years ago and I think it was just from being so tired I tripped over my feet I do also have big feet for my size which
0: you know <laughs> another story so Alison and I ran Park Run I think maybe just two weeks ago yeah it wasn't long K- ago Christmas Eve maybe
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, the Christmas one, Eve
0: uh-huh. run, and Alison, as usual, I found myself chasing Alison towards the the end. She was a bit ahead of me, and so I stopped and I was out of breath, not really ready for conversation yet. And a guy who had been running, I think, behind me, yeah, t- took his token and walked past me straight to Alison, congratulated her on the run, which was nice because that's part running, that's what people do. And then said, oh, I heard you coming behind me. You've got really heavy feet. I thought it was a big guy chasing me. So I I could hardly breathe as it was from having made the effort, but that absolutely ended me. You handled (laughs) it with a lot of class, I must say. But to be told, you've got big slappy man feet. That's maybe not the best compliment on Christmas Eve.
1: It's not. But, you know, I, I would have maybe been a bit more shocked, except I've been told it so many times because we've all got a running style and I am very heavy suited, uh, which probably doesn't help the clumsiness. But it is funny because the more you run with people you get to know their run don't you so everybody's like well here comes allison because yeah. it's like stomp 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 but it did make me laugh that day think especially because i think he was like i have thought it for a while and i didn't want to say but i just thought i'd say it today
0: <laughs> oh it does make me laugh i love to see anybody being been a bit miserable that finished before me so that was nice for somebody to just bring you back down to earth there after a good run <laughs> final series question before we move to a little quick fire round and then the all important playlist track
1: yes.
0: what happens after tokyo for you what's what's next what's the plans are you looking that far ahead or is it wait mm-hmm. and see
1: so right after tokyo i've got london again um as you do I, yeah as i do um no i've always i've said i'd love to run london every year that i'm able to um there is something special about it um it's certainly not the cheapest by the time you add up everything but as i said you don't we don't count costs um but no seriously after that i think i might have to change my name because i think i might have a little break from marathons um what i've realized in the last couple of years is i haven't really stopped just because like cramming them in after covid and just want to get the six stars done and then other things come up as well um, I think I would like to really enjoy the shorter distance for a little while over the summer. Like, um, you know, I love the Strathclyde Park run, but I'd like to maybe do a lot of tourism. You go and- yeah. There's loads around us now. Um, maybe even some half marathons. Just take it back a little bit and enjoy summer. Um, as I was mentioning before, I feel like runners can be selfish, and I have been in terms of all the holidays for the last year. years have revolved around let's go to because i'm going to run a marathon so i think a nice non-running summer holiday um and then when i am ready to go back into marathons i quite fancy doing some european ones maybe spain um so that i'm still getting the marathons and in different countries but also getting to see new places yeah um i'd quite like to to do that um, but yeah I think for me it's been a very intense few years um, even the year we didn't run because of Covid we like you said I was going to do Manchester as well so it was still training for something that didn't happen so I just feel like this summer I want to go on a holiday not have to worry about having to run like maybe go out and do some fun runs but just just have a bit of a break just
0: dialing it back a bit. Yeah. in terms of expectation if not on it's not that you're going to stop running anytime soon. No, but no, no, no. It's just removing that goal-driven pressure all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think, like we we're saying earlier, when we're speaking about balance, and it's again about listening to your body. We can run and run and run forever, but I think there comes a point where you have to respect your body and understand that it needs the rest as well. Um, and like I say, it's not stopping running. I need to do that. I think for my mental health as well as um physical, but you know I love the part runs now it's something I used to dread like you know I was yeah. scared of like oh god you know I'm standing with these real runners and I'm going to be really slow but I love it now and I wanted to go and enjoy those you know enjoy that enjoy yeah. some 10k's and we've got loads of local ones now Yeah,
0: I love part run Part run is my favourite run of the week I'm definitely going to try and use my marathon plan to run some like park run sandwiches maybe different places and,
1: definitely Um,
0: it, it really is it's the best atmosphere of Anything that I do, running wise, even mm-hmm. good races, don't come close to a park run for friendliness because it's just such a wide range of people that run.
1: And I think that's it. And do you know what it was funny? Because we, it was when we did it together. It wasn't that long ago, and I, I was, I wasn't racing it. It was part of a longer run, I think. And it was the first time that I hadn't had just my head down and just get to the finish line. And I was looking because obviously the one that our local park run, you kind of go around half the lock and yeah. come back so when I was at the other side I was just taking a minute and I was looking and I was like oh my goodness like look how many people there are of all abilities like people their first ever one. then there was people in front of me and I just thought this is amazing like it's it's a free event that people anyone can come to and it's just such a great way to start your weekend
0: yeah Yeah. and I think 5k is is a lot I think for people as well if you've not been running at all, but you've got couch to five K and it's a great end goal to that type of thing. You know, to be able to do that because you're really joining in and you're you're the exact same as you standing at the front as you are standing at the back. You're going yeah. round that course and everybody's smiling mostly. Most of the time <laughs> most of the time. Um but every, it really is. It's it's uh, well I think it will always be probably my favourite run of the week. I'm determined to get to my hundred this year. Oh
1: so, yes that would be um, I think I'm at
0: seven one 70 or 71 Why? so i've got a chance this year of, of getting there as long as covid stays well away oh i know <laughs> um okay final 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 thing then i'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions that i've not given you in advance and i just want to get your first take on them so okay don't spend too long thinking about them ready yep go favorite running shoe of all time
1: nike alpha fly
0: Favorite training route?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I think it would be my little loop that I do. I'm out to Uddingston, Bothwell, and Roundstrath, Clyde, and home.
0: Best running-related book you've ever read?
1: Um, I would say "Dead Man Running" by Kevin Webber.
0: How does running moment? Um,
1: I think it has to be. Oh, this a hard one because Boston, because it. Take such an effort to get there, but I also feel like the Stallway post marathon because I came first female.
0: But I'm still asking you to pick your proudest one, so you have to choose. Choose between Boston. your children. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was always going to be Boston. Worst race or running experience?
1: Um, I'd say worst race was probably a ten K that I did over at Port Glasgow where I ended up falling at nine K and blood pouring down my legs.
0: I'm amazing. That took until 9K. Ultimate post marathon meal drink, meal or drink.
1: Oh, um, well, I do enjoy a glass of fizz um at all times, but yeah, especially after a marathon. And I would say food give me like a pizza.
0: Good choice. One inspirational Instagram profile you never skip by.
1: Oh, that's a hard one as well. Um, I would say in terms of inspiration and advice um running coach Joe so um Joe used to be an elite runner for the UK or for yeah for UK um GB and she's given me a lot of advice and I do find her post really inspirational and is involved. that
0: Joe a coach now
1: yes uh uh-huh, Joe will I,
0: fo- I, I follow Joe so again we'll put a link to that profile mm-hmm. in the episode description and you can follow Joe. Run with or without music.
1: Okay, with when I'm training, without in a race.
0: Best ever single piece of running advice you've been given or could give
1: is um prepare to fail. Is it prepare to fail? Fail to prepare. Fail to prepare. Yeah. Prepare, prepare fail to, to prepare, fail.
0: Prepare to <laughs> fail. Yeah. Favorite part run.
1: Strathclyde.
0: Finally, finish this sentence. I press play and run because
1: I love inspiring others, and I hope that this has encouraged some people to pull some trainers on. I'm
0: absolutely sure it has, Alison, and I'm very, very grateful for your time. But before I let you go, you have the I don't know if this is more a pleasure or a pressure, but you're going to kick off the Press, Play, and Run playlist, which will be available on Spotify. Um, again, I'll put a link to that in the episode description. And each episode, we're going to ask our guest to tell us the one track they couldn't be without in their running playlist. So I'm fully expecting an absolute mishmash of tracks on there eventually. <laughs> but I, I did give you a heads up on this advance to let you think about it because this is that's a difficult one to choose under pressure. So what's it going to be?
1: It's gonna be Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine.
0: Oh, any reason why?
1: It's one that's never left my playlist. Um, it's always there. It and it's the one that comes on, like we're saying, on a hard long run, and it just kind of kicks in and gives me a bit of drive.
0: That's that's high praise because I think my own experience is after a while you start to resent some songs yeah. you hear them so often. So anything that stands the test of time is is a good one. Um, So Alison, thank you so much for your time today. I will obviously see you at parkrun. I will link your Instagram profile, um, which is Scottish Scottish Marathon Girl. Scottish Marathon Girl, no underscores or anything like that. So you can follow Alison on Insta. There are already thousands of people doing that. And I know how many messages I've had of people looking forward to hearing your take on marathons. I think you inspire a lot of people with your running. All that's left to do, really, is to wish you luck in Tokyo.
1: Thank you very Um, much.
0: Take plenty of photographs. We'll maybe check back in with you after Tokyo um, with a glass of bubbles in hand.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. And once I've done Tokyo, we can get some training runs in for yours because...
0: Absolutely. But first before that, we will run the park run the immediate Saturday after Tokyo together. <laughs> That's the, I'm more interested in that than in any kind of marathon run. Cool. I, I, at some point, I have to finish before you, just once.
1: Marathon legs and jet lag, okay.
0: That sounds perfect to me. It sounds like the ideal race preparation for you, for us to race. So let, let's do that. Thank you again to Alison for being the first guest in the Press Play and Run podcast. And thank you, the listener, for being here for the first episode of what I hope will be many. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Podcast, and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back for episode two on Thursday the 26th of January, and be sure to keep an eye on the Instagram page to find out which guest will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on, press play and run.